but uh, at all times in our life, we have the grace of our Lord that uh, helps us carry on. Let's take our Bible back to John chapter 8, John chapter 8, disciples indeed. John chapter 8, and we looked at verse 12 to verse 32. Uh, Brother Ryan preached last week on the first few uh, verses, the first 12 there from uh, the account of the woman taken in adultery, and so uh, we pick up from there. There's a crowd of men uh, that were around Jesus there when the woman was uh, taken in adultery and brought to his uh, presence there into the very temple itself, and uh, Jesus has confronted them uh, with the, the, uh, their own frailty, their own sins, and as he uh, stooped down the second time to write uh, in the ground, on the ground there, uh, he is um, waiting for their response, and we remember from Ryan's account how that they one by one uh, slipped away, melted back into the greater crowd in the courtyard area, and uh, by the time he stood up again, there was no more uh, men around this woman to condemn her, and uh, he asked her that question, woman, where are these thine accusers? And uh, hath no man condemned thee? No man, Lord. And he said, uh, you know, uh, you're forgiven, rise and, and uh, sin no more. And so we are so thankful to God for this example that is given to us here. He's in the courtyard area already, but now uh, he's moved over by the front part of the treasury there in the courtyard. It's in the court of the women and the treasury area there. Of course, the Pharisees and the leaders of the temple are very interested in what goes on in the treasury uh, there. So Jesus is there in that area, in the still in the wider courtyard, and it is there that we see that he speaks again to this crowd and uh, reveals himself, first of all, as the light of the world. So we see him declaring once again his deity, the fact that he's God, manifest in human flesh. He says, I am, several times through this passage, um, in, the, in a couple of places he just uses that term, I am. You <coughs> see the uh, translators of our Bible have added I am he to help us more clearly understand the uh, meaning of the context, but the phrase that he uses there is the same phrase that identifies God in the Old Testament to Moses when he is called the great I am. <coughs> they, they get it. They understand this. They recognize that Jesus is declaring himself God. Uh, they, they get it, at least on down through the book. We find that they really clearly understand that he's declaring himself to be God. And uh, for that reason, they uh, bring him to crucify him later on in our, uh, in our gospel. But here he declares it once again, I am the light of the world. The, the first of God's creation in the book of Genesis, he created light and separated the light from the darkness. And here the Lord Jesus Christ stands in the temple saying, I am the light of the world. Here in the courtyard, there's a, a great uh, candelabra there that they light on special occasions uh, to uh, simulate or mimic the uh, light that once was there present from God. The Old Testament tells us of those times when the power and glory of God entered into the temple and the place that God had chosen to put his name there and how that the Shekinah glory of God was uh, uh, lighting that place. That was true once in the temple, but it hadn't been true for long many generations. The light of God's glory hadn't 
graced that place for many long generations. It had never appeared in the second temple called Herod's temple, the one where the Lord Jesus is now standing. It had never appeared in that place. And so this candelabra was a representation of that or a a man's effort, if you will, to provide a light that that God had no longer provided in that place. And here against that backdrop uh, is where the Lord Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And he presents the choice very plainly. He says, uh, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall see the light of life. So he presents the choice that he's been presenting to us from that time until this, the choice to follow life and light or to walk in darkness and uh, to the terminus of death. He says, follow me or walk your own way. Follow me in light or walk your own way in darkness. And so the choice is given to us today. You and I are uh, given that opportunity during the course of our life while we still have the chance to decide to follow him or to walk our own way. And it is a uh, very serious choice that we all must make before we go out into eternity. The choice is plain. The choice is clear. And you need to make it today if you haven't already uh, committed yourself to following Jesus Christ, to, to being all in with him. Not just being a nominal follower, a disciple in the sense of you see he's a good teacher and you want to pick up some good things from him and so you're, you know, getting what you can. No, no, we want to be a disciple indeed. Are you a disciple indeed? We'll see what Jesus describes those uh, persons as as we go down through the text today. But Jesus first spoke to those that were then dying in their sins. He mentions it a couple of times there to them. Those that are walking in darkness who will die in their sins. None of us wants to be Uh, here thinking of anyone that will die in their sins. To die without their sins forgiven. To die without the penalty of their sins being paid. No one wants to think of anyone in that condition. Why Why would anyone choose to walk in darkness when they can see the light? Why would anyone choose to be blind if they could be given sight? Why would they walk in darkness? Well, the Bible makes it, uh, uh, gives us the answer to that question. The Bible tells uh, that uh, men like dark deeds, dark deeds. John 3 and 19, we were there uh, a few weeks back, and it said men loved darkness rather than light. And here's the reason, because their deeds were evil. Love the darkness and the enshrouding nature of the dark because their deeds were evil and didn't want them exposed to the world. So, that's why men would walk in darkness, because the love of evil doing. Why would they walk in darkness? Well, Romans 1 tells us because they have darkened hearts. If you're here today and your heart is darkened, there is a light. Uh, and it is a light of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your heart can be made light. Light in every sense of the word. Light in the sense of the, of the uh, light of life, and light in the sense of no more burden, no more heavy, no more uh, broken down and embittered uh, your Heart can be changed today. It depends on you, though. It's uh, The Lord will do the work, but it depends on you making the, the right choice today. Uh, so their hearts are dark, and Roman 1.21 says it this way, because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. It was their work that created the condition 
of a darkened heart, not God's. Their foolish heart was darkened. Why would men walk in darkness? Well, because of darkened understanding. Ephesians 4.18 says, Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Their heart darkened. Well, so there's those that are walking in darkness. And then there's another crowd in verse 13 through 19 that we read about here. There's another crowd of religious folk, but they're denying him. There's those in darkness, walking in darkness, but then there's those denying who Jesus is. They're not denying he exists. They're not denying that he's a remarkable person. They're not denying that he could be a prophet. They're not denying that he could be a worker of miracles. They're not denying any of those things not denying the words that he says, they're simply saying he, he is not who he claims to be. They're denying who he is. Islam, our neighbors over here, are, they tell you very clearly, we believe in Jesus. Uh, we believe the Bible uh, tells of Jesus and the story of Jesus. They'll tell you that. They'll say, we believe in Jesus. But they'd simply deny who he is. They say he's a great prophet, a good teacher. And the leader of the Christian religion, say they. But they deny that he is the Son of God manifest in the flesh. The uh, Quran says it this way, Allah has no son. Allah is not the same God as the God of the Bible. You understand that. The, the, the media don't get it. They don't understand that. They think, you know, any reference to any kind of God is God. You know? uh, but the media remains largely ignorant of the truth and and uh, so over here, our neighbors will tell you, oh, yes, we believe in Jesus, and you are our brothers because we believe in Jesus. But uh, the Jesus they believe in is not the Jesus of the Bible. And here, is the, here is the situation they're in, the same one that these deniers were uh, that we read about in verse 19. Who are you? Who is your father? And they're denying that he is who he claims to be. And we don't want to be among that crowd either. They may... Uh, not be identifying themselves that are with those that are deliberately walking in darkness because their deeds are evil and their heart is darkened and their understanding is darkened. They may not identify themselves with that crowd, though that's what they are, but they're not, they're not openly identi identifying themselves with that. They're just sim simply saying, no, this Jesus exists and he's real and he's done miracles and he's got something about him that's different from other men, but, but he's not. He's not God manifest in the flesh. So, so they're denying who he is. And then there's those that are delaying. They're just delaying. They're not sure. They're, they're not convinced one way or another. They're just delaying. But they delay too long. In verse 21 uh, through 24, Jesus said again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whether I go, ye cannot come. Ye shall seek me, he said, and shall die in your sins. There, there's... There's indications that at some point they may, they may decide to seek him, but he said, you're going to die in your sins if you delay too long. That's the idea. Here he said to the Jews, with, uh, said the Jews, will he kill himself? Because he saith, whither I go, you cannot come. And he said unto them, verse 23, ye are from beneath, I am from above. You're of this world, I am not of this world. I said, therefore, unto you, you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. There are those that are delaying that commitment, delaying that choice, delaying that decision, saying, well, he might be Christ and he might not. He may be who he claims to be and he may not. The Jews, he may be the Messiah and he may not. There were many of them like that there in that 
congregation of people that were gathered in this huge courtyard in which he was preaching the truth. They were delaying and delaying and delaying. Here the portal to heaven is open to them. Here they are in the temple. They're in the what's called the house of God. He, he calls it, uh, Jesus called it uh, his house. He, he says of the Father, uh, my house, and he identifies that it's his house. They're in the place God has chosen to put his name there. They're in the one place on the earth where God has met with man, you know, uh, there on the earth. They're not only there in the place called God's house, but they are there with the Son of God present in the courtyard speaking to them. The portal of heaven, the door of heaven is thrown wide open and they're given the opportunity, but so many delay yet. Today, the portal is open. The door is open to you. Don't delay any longer. Don't wait another day. You might not have it. You might have a hundred years before Jesus comes again, but you might have uh, less than a hundred minutes or a hundred seconds before Jesus comes again. So don't delay. Don't delay, my friend. Don't delay. Here it was. The door opened to them and so many delaying and so many unbelieving. The door will close. Uh, you know, the Bible says it clearly in uh, the book of Genesis in chapter 6. He said, my spirit shall not always strive with man. I'm not going to always have the Holy Spirit working on your heart, trying to convince you and convicting you of your sins and drawing you to Christ. The day is going to come when I say like I did to Ephraim, Ephraim is a cake not turned. Let her alone. Let her alone. Those are very... Uh, very sobering words when the Holy Spirit uh, departs from working the heart of an unbeliever and just God says, let him alone, leave him go to his own uh, end, leave him go to his own way, the time is past where I'll deal with them. The door does close, the ark door eventually closed, Noah preached the, uh, uh, the truth 120 years and warning and warning and warning of the judgment to come. And the delayers, the delayers had their opportunities but said no one day too long when the heart closed and the opportunity was uh, over. The invitation time at the end of the service, the, the, uh, we're going to do all we can to open the door and ask you to come through the door of the ark to the salvation that Jesus Christ offers if you're here and you're not saved yet. Don't leave with the, with the door closing behind you, uh, ma'am and sir. The, the wedding... The wedding was open to the virgins. The ten virgins were invited. The five wives provided oil in their lamps and took oil with them. And the five foolish virgins did not. They did not take oil with them. And when the time came for the call for the attendants to come into the wedding and the virgins realized that the midnight hour, their light, their lamps had gone out and they had no more oil, they uh, were... were uh, Excluded from coming in, go and buy oil, said they, and come back. But by the time they come back, the door was closed and bolted, and they couldn't come in. And, uh, that's what we're talking about. The, the door will close. Those are solemn words that Jesus spoke to them. He said, where I'm going, you're not going. Where I'm going, you're not going to be there because you're going to die in your sins. Delaying too long. What an awful reality to uh, see someone die in their sins. So Jesus had those that were nominal followers of his, that they, they uh, could not be called disciples indeed because he identified that crowd of believers as, you know, the real deal. 
Are you the real deal today? <laughs> Are you a disciple indeed today? That's what uh, Jesus was doing as he separated just these nominal followers from disciples indeed. Now, a nominal follower of Christ, of religion, is one who would agree with many of the things that Jesus said, would say, yeah, that's good and that's true, and go through the Sermon on the Mount, and they would say, yes, it's good to be a peacemaker, and it's and these are good things to be humble, and it's a good thing to, you know, uh, be diligent in life, and it's a good thing to worship God. And they would agree with many of the things Jesus said. A nominal follower of Christ would, a, a uh, could even say a disciple, a disciple, one who said, yeah, I'm following him. They, they conceive him in their own way. Maybe you're here and you conceive Jesus in your own way, uh, you know, with the framework of your own culture, your own way of thinking, the upbringing that you had, the background that you had, the view you had of your own father, your own mother, you may conceive Jesus in your own way. That's a mistake, though, to make, and that's what so many uh, don't understand. they following Jesus, but following, in them, following him in their own way. That's what many of these were here uh, doing. They, a lot of uh, Jews at first thought of Jesus as this one who has come now to deliver us from the bondage of Rome. He's going to uh, lead a great army and we're going to see kingdom come. We're going to see Rome overthrown. We're going to get, they're going to get their comeuppance and we're excited about this Messiah coming to lead us to victory. So several times they tried to, you know, uh, thrust him into the place of a king and and uh, he made it clear to them that that was not what his purpose was for this first coming. They were uh, mixing up his second coming with his first coming. They were misunderstanding the prophetic references to his coming as a king in glory to conquer the uh, devil and to rule the world. They, they misunderstood that. They put it all together. And their concept of Jesus was a great deliverer that would come to deliver the nation of Israel. When they realized that was not the case, they no longer were interested in being his followers. And so their concept of Jesus, when they realized it wasn't, wasn't right, uh, caused them as, uh, to quit as disciples. That's, that's what happened to them. Now today there's a lot of people that see him as he is presented by the wealthy televangelists and religious, uh, you know, personalities and religious stars of the television screen and, and the Internet, uh, they, they see him that way. Uh, they, those kinds of people, uh, prosperity preachers, are all over the world. Uh, my uh, missionary going to Nigeria was telling us about the, uh, had I seen the list of the top 20 uh, you know, televangelists and their wealth. And uh, three of the top 20 are from Nigeria, one of the poorest countries in the world. Multi, multi-millionaires because they dupe the population into sending them money uh, and so forth like that. And so the Jesus that that crowd of prosperity preachers is presenting is a Jesus that will give you happiness, that will give you success, that will make your life uh, a joy to live and will provide for you everything you want. That kind of Jesus is appealing to many. That's the kind that uh, they're looking for because this Jesus that's presented to them is one that doesn't really um, expect any kind of serious commitment from them. This televangelist Jesus is is one who wants to give you success and, and prosperity and health and wealth, uh, but 
he isn't going to expect you to um, surrender anything. He's not going to expect any commitment from you. He's not going to ask you to make different choices than you want to make. He's not going to confront you about your habits. He's not going to confront you about your plans and your desires. Those are all up to you. He'll leave you with those. You can do whatever you want with them. You don't need to be committed in any sense to, to this uh, Jesus that is preached. And so with many today, the same is so. Their followers, their nominal disciples, they say they follow Jesus, but the Jesus that they've identified as following is not the one that we see described in the scriptures. So, um, you know, I, I want a Jesus who, who will love me, but not expect any kind of commitment from me. <laughs> Uh, and so commitment goes out the window. Uh, commitment to God has gone out the window and largely in our culture. And follow that, follow that, follow that. Commitment to God has gone out. And then what else goes out? Commitment to my wife, my husband. Commitment to the family. Commitment to my job. Commitment to my country. The only commitment really left in the culture that is predominant in any uh, uh, modern culture seems to be a commitment to self. Oh, we, we have no problem, you know, making that commitment to ourself. i got to be true to myself, and i got to, you know, if i got to make myself happy or I can't make anybody else happy, and uh, i got to have my esteem if I, you know, expect anybody else to help anybody else with their esteem. And so a commitment to self is, uh, is predominant in, the, in this kind of culture where that kind of Jesus is followed. So Jesus had those nominal followers, but Jesus also had disciples indeed, and I hope that's you. I hope that's where you fall today, a disciple indeed. There was the forgiven woman. She was a disciple indeed. She came to uh, Christ uh, in, in a very unusual way, was dragged to his feet and thrown before him and accused of all the crimes and the sins that uh, she had participated in as an adulteress. That was all true, but uh, when Jesus uh, left her, he say, said to her, neither do I condemn thee. And when the Lord Jesus Christ says you're not condemned, you're not condemned. <laughs> so he took the penalty that she deserved on himself, and he uh, assured her that he would pay that penalty himself. So he forgave her, but I want to tell you, forgiveness never comes without repentance and faith previous to it. Repentance, faith, and forgiveness walk together hand in hand. And so this woman, obviously, though we do not read it in particular detail here, obviously this woman had a repentant spirit. Do you not think she was repentant about her sins when it was exposed to the world and was dragged into the temple? Of course she was repentant about that. She may have been sorry for it, but she was also repentant about it. And uh, there was uh, in her now a, a blooming faith in this one who was so different from all of her accusers. He was so different from the law of Moses that condemned her. He was one whose words were full of grace. And every word that spilled from his lips was a word of grace. And everything he wrote in the ground as she watched there was a testimony to his grace. And so here certainly she believed on him. She put her faith in him. What else could she do? Uh, she was condemned. She would be stoned. She put her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he forgave her and saved her. Oh, yes, she's a disciple indeed. Do you think that, uh, you know, she had any trouble with his, um, 
with his word to her when he, he said to her, go and sin no more. Don't go back to the adultery you came from. Don't go back to the lifestyle you came out of. I want to see you different. And I'm sure that she was among the most committed of disciples indeed. There's no question about that. But there were others who believed. We read in verse 30 through 32, he spake these words, and many believed on him. Uh, that's in, in the context, that's one of the strongest senses that the term is used. Many believed on him. They, they put faith in him. They trusted him. Uh, the power was not is never in our words, you know, we don't speak the truth to power, you know, we don't do that. The power is never in our words, it's in the word of God. It's in the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, the, these others believed when it says, as he spake these words, as he spake these words, many believed on him. You, you and I need to get the word to people. We need to get the word of God to people because it's that that's going to affect their hearts and their minds and their spirits much more than any of the best arguments that you can give, the most convincing uh, personality that we can present, you know. Uh, you need to be winsome and you need to be nice and you need to be kind and you need to be, uh, you know, uh, the kind of person that uh, makes it uh, easier to carry the message, no doubt. But the power of uh, salvation doesn't rest with the kind of person you or, or, or I am. It rests with the word of God. And so uh, get that to them. The evidence of the genuineness of these disciples was given there in verse 31. He said, Jesus said to these that were believing on him, he said, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. He said, that's the key there. He said, if you're really disciples, if you're really saved, what's going to happen will be you'll continue on with what you've committed to now. Your commitment won't be here today, gone tomorrow. If you're committed, if you're real, if you believe and have received Christ, uh, it, He is going to continue with you. He, he, he enter, has entered into your heart and you, you are a child of God and He's your Savior. And He said, if that be so, you're going to continue in the Word. One of the evidences of your discipleship, of your, the fact you're a disciple indeed, is you're interested in the Word. You're here in the house of God today. At least most of you are here because you want to be. I mean, some of you might have dragged here. Uh, uh, but uh, but uh, you're here in the house of God, uh, I think, because you want to be here and you wanted to hear the uh, worship of the Lord in song. You wanted to worship the Lord together with a congregation of believers. You're here because you desire to grow in the Lord, and that is what he's talking about there, continuing in the Word, a disciple Indeed. It got hard for some. We talked about them a few weeks back. Remember that crowd? Uh, he said, uh, of that crowd, he said, from that time when, you know, when they saw what it was all about and they saw it wasn't just about, you know, free bread and free fish and free uh, cafeteria food for the rest of your life, you know. When they saw that, uh, they said, from that time, many went back and walked no longer with him. Those were those disciples. They were following him. They were following him for a while, but uh, nah, uh, the commitment part of it, we're, we're out of here. <laughs> we're, we're done with that. Uh, we, we're okay with the free stuff, but uh, commitment, no, we're gone with that. So uh, that was a crowd that, that the Bible says many went back and walked no longer with him. First John 2.19 puts it this way. They went out from us because they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. So not everybody that, you know, shows up and seems religious for a while and uh, seems to be a disciple 
is. The Bible says it won't. It'll be a time where if they're not the real deal, they'll not continue with us. They'll not continue in God's word. They'll not continue in God's house. They'll not continue in prayer. They'll be, you know, here today, gone tomorrow. I hope that's none of you today. Uh, here today, gone tomorrow. Uh, the, you need to be that disciple indeed. Disciples indeed have a commitment to God and to continuing in His Word. When you continue in His Word, some wonderful things happen. Uh, the continuing in, your, in His Word indicates to others the reality of your faith. When you continue in His house, among His people, in His Word, it indicates to others the reality of your faith. It also strengthens the assurance of your own salvation. You don't live in a false sense of security. You're secure in Christ. Your salvation is cemented and sealed in Christ. Continuing in His Word doesn't make you more secure. It just helps you realize how secure you are already in Christ. You know, doesn't make you more secure. Uh, Mary McCuster and her husband had moved to a, a gated community in, in um, a place called Sebastian, Florida. Uh, anybody been to Sebastian, Florida? I don't know where it is either. So I've never, never been to Florida and have no hankering to go. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but... Um, they, uh, they wanted to move into this uh, gated community because they were getting up in years and they were, you know, feeling a little insecure about the neighborhood they lived in. So they, you know, got into this gated community and it felt, you know, felt a sense of security there. But she, uh, uh, she commented later, she, um, she called for pizza and, uh, and said, the guy on the other end of the phone said, oh, yeah, uh, got the address and, and uh, said, well, we'll be there in about a half hour. And said, uh, your gate code is still 1238, right? So uh, she didn't feel too secure anymore about, the, about that. The pizza kid, uh, you know, uh, was uh, already had the gate code, and everybody down at the pizza place did as well. So her sense of security about those gates was not so good. You, how many of you live in a gated community here in the area? How many of you feel secure in that gated community? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're not very secure. You know? so I've been into all your gated communities, and I don't have the gate codes to any of them. So... so. I just follow the car, you know, that's ahead of me. <laughs> so I could be the thug, you know. I could be the thug there uh, robbing your house. <laughs> so, uh, so gated community. Yeah, she had a false sense of security. She thought, I got a gate there. I'm safe in this place. Uh, but the pizza kid knew the code, and probably all of his little brothers and sisters did too as well. But I'm saying to you, this, this sense of security that you have when you continue in his word, this growing sense of uh, peace with God and security in him uh you know, it's always there that peace and that security is always there it's just you you know it better you get it better as you continue in his word so uh, continuing in his word gives you the means of your growth in grace it builds you uh from the point of just beginning knowledge to growing knowledge from that point with the body of knowledge from god's word you get understanding you start understanding stuff it starts fitting together you know, the knowledge that you are gaining from the Word of God starts to connect, you know. You're reading from Proverbs and you see how that it has, you know, uh, implications in other books of the Bible. You're reading of the creation accounts in Genesis and you're going through the Scriptures and seeing references back to the Old Testament examples and you're seeing things and your knowledge and your, uh, your, your um, understanding is growing. And all of that then leads to a third great uh, wonder and that's the wonder of wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to take the knowledge and understanding and make an application to it to the practical needs of your day-to-day -day life, you know. And wow, it's wonderful to have the wisdom of God guiding you uh, to where that now 
all of a sudden, you're not just making decisions by chance and hope. You You have biblical principles that have been inculcated into your mind and heart through the gaining of knowledge and the growing understanding and the growing wisdom that you have to where that decisions, you know, take care of themselves. Uh, you, you're not agonizing over, was this right or was it wrong? Or, you know, what should I do? What should I do? Uh, you, are, you are blessed with a, a wisdom that is beyond what anything that the world can offer you. And that all comes with this continuing in God's Word. Yeah, that's a, a great thing. You become a lot less susceptible to deceits, you know, a lot less susceptible to deceits. And the Internet's loaded with deceits, you know, isn't it? My, some of the uh, conspiracy theories and all the different things that come and go, uh, you, um, you're a lot less susceptible to, that, to those silly things and uh, a lot more secure in God's finished Word. You think God, uh, you know, you think God is surprised by any of the, by any of the uh, latest um, conspiracy theories that's going on? Oh, God didn't know that there was this group that's, uh, you know, controlling all the banks, and uh, God didn't know that uh, there's this, uh, you know, underlying thing about, uh, you know, the flat earth and all that stuff, you know. Uh, oh, God didn't get it, you know, that, uh, you know, the government's trying to kill you or that, uh, you know, the government's responsible for, for bringing down the Twin Towers and just it's just a big part of a theory, uh, conspiracy, all that kind of nonsense, you know. Uh, you, you, don't have to, you don't have to be the susceptible to that. What is, why is all that? Why would the devil allow all that stuff? Why would Satan want that stuff going on all the time and all that stuff going back and forth on the Internet? Uh, why would he want that? Well, he, he uh, wants uh, Christians to be deceived. He wants Christians, to, uh, you know, he wants gullible people to be deceived, and he wants uh, uh, to, to get it uh, to the point where, where uh, you know, no one knows the truth from the error, and, and no one knows uh, the difference between a, a homemade, made-up conspiracy and, and the truth of God's Word. And, and the Antichrist comes along and is able to, to really be the master of deceit when uh, the world is used to the, the deceit that goes on, just, you know, don't get mixed up on all that stuff. Just stay in the book, you know, stay in the Word of God. You know, go back and forth on trying to find out what the, what the latest has said on the latest conspiracy about this and that, you know. And, uh, you know, uh, there's the conspiracies, oh, there was Sandy Hook never happened. It's just a gun control theory, you know, uh, all that kind of stuff, you know. Oh, yeah, you know, th- th- you know it, or there, nobody ever landed on the moon, you know. Uh, you know, and they, all those kind of silly things. It's just silly. It's just, uh, if you're believing that, you're just silly. You know, uh, you need to get over it. Um, just just to stay in the book, stay in the Word of God, and stay out of the Internet, stay off that stuff. Uh, what, is, what does it do? It distracts people from the truth. It just gets them thinking about, oh, yeah, what about this? What about that? You know, what about, i got to have my gun, you know. Well, the Lord will take care of you whether you get your gun or whether it gets taken away from you, you know. I hope it doesn't, and I have guns, and most of us have guns. In fact, the most well-armed army in the world is the American citizen, you know. Uh, uh, as far as the population is concerned, we have more weaponry than any, any army in the world. Uh, uh, and so, uh, you know, that's, it's not a question. There will be continuing ongoing battles back and forth about gun control and about all these things. But what the devil would like you and me to do is get wrapped up in those things and spend all of our waking hours working for or against those things and examining this conspiracy and that conspiracy and so forth. Well, who's in charge? Is it the government or is it God? (laughs) It's God. 
in charge? Whose child are you? A child of the government or are you a child of God? You know, uh, who do you depend on? The government or God? Well, you know, get it get it straight, and then you you don't have to chase these. Uh, chase your tail with these silly theories that come up about who's doing this and who's responsible for that and, and all that stuff, you know. Uh, God's got it figured out. He, he's not surprised by anything. He didn't go, oh, wow, I didn't realize that was going to happen. Oh, man, what are we going to do now? You know, the Bilderbergers, oh, what are we going to do about the uh, Illuminati? And, oh, my, oh, what about the, what about the conspiracy? And, oh, no, you know, uh, what about the cr- uh, cyber criminals? And, uh, oh, no, uh, angels, let's have a meeting. Let's get together. Let's figure this out. So we've really lost control of this thing. <laughs> no, it's not that way. It's not that way. God's, God's got it well in hand. You, you know, you, um, you just need to concentrate on his word and how he says to live and recognize that he's going to give you all you need for whatever culture you're in, wherever, whatever time you're in, whatever place you're in, he's going to give you all you need for that. That's what continuance in his word does for you. And what a wonderful freedom it gives us there. Verse 32, we conclude, he says, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I don't need to know about all the conspiracies. I know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. See? So there were those there that were convicted and not converted, but then there were others that were converted and continuing. And I hope that's you today. Let's stand together and give an invitation. You need to uh, use the altar more than anything else. We want you to realize that... uh, Uh, the most important choice you can ever make is the choice to surrender yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a commitment. It's not, you know, I'm not selling you a bill of goods and saying if you come to Jesus, your life will be happy, you'll never have cancer, you'll never have any problems anymore. Uh, No, no, uh, that's not the Jesus we're talking about. He's He's going to expect of you a commitment to Him, to His Word. Uh, He's going to expect of you surrender to Him as your Lord, your boss, your master. And so if you come to him on those terms, he'll do the same for you as he did for this adulterous woman, this woman taking adultery. He'll forgive you. He'll cleanse all of that from your record, and he'll put his sin, your sins as far away as east is from the west. He'll never remember them against you anymore. He'll save you today if you'll come to him on his terms. And so you come and trust Christ as your Savior if you haven't yet uh, to this point. And uh, let Jesus uh, uh, be all that he wants to be uh, for you. And then if you're a Christian already, let's ask the Lord to help us. We all struggle at times. We all blow it a lot. (laughs) But uh, uh, by the grace of God, let's ask God to help us be continuing in his word as disciples indeed. Let's pray. Father, we pray your blessing on the invitation. We pray for those that maybe need to come and use this altar of, uh, as a place of uh, prayer to, to uh, deal with some things um, uh, that uh, you've convicted them about. I pray for those that may be here that have not made a personal confession of faith in Christ as yet. I pray that they would come uh, and, and go all in with Jesus, that they would commit themselves to him and that uh, you would save them. Lord, we pray for uh, us Christians that uh, need your help day by day, help us to be faithful and continuance in thy word so that we can grow as we ought to grow. We pray for those that may be here and need a church home, if this is where you want them to be, I pray that you'd guide them on that. Pray for those that are saved and, and uh, yet need to follow you in believer's baptism, that they would uh, come in, in obedience to that and, and um, follow you in that step of obedience in their life. I pray, Lord, that you'd just help us all as we Consider what you want us to do. Pray for those that struggle with the difficulties in their life. I ask, Father, that you'd help them to see that the answer 
is there and the help is there for them if they'll, if they'll uh, surrender all to you. And pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a, a verse of 629. Uh, the question, am I trusting thee? 629 is your invitation. And as we sing, if you uh, need to slip out and come, will you? Will you respond today? I am trusting thee, Lord Jesus, trusting only.